Hey folks, welcome back to another edition of If These Hills Could Talk. I'm your old buddy, Tennessee Brando, and I am super excited to be bringing you this week's episode. I have got a great episode in store for you guys. I cannot wait for you to hear it. But before we get uh, deep in the weeds with that conversation, I want to bring you up to date on a few things that are going on, let you know what you need to be looking for and uh, checking out out there in Brando's world. Uh, last week we went into the studio and we recorded four more tunes for the album Shots of Truth Volume 2. That brings us up to uh, 11 tracks. Uh, this Thursday we're going to go in and knock out the final three, which will bring us up to 14 tracks. But I actually wrote a new tune today that I've not put up on YouTube yet or recorded yet. Uh, so we may end up doing uh, four more tunes. It'll bring us up to 15 tracks. But either way, uh, Thursday, we will uh, finish up the recording process for the album, and then it will just be a matter of mixing it and getting it out to you. Uh, this album was done a little bit different than Volume 1. Um, for Volume 2, we just set up uh, me on uh, rhythm guitar and uh, lead vocal. Then we had Greg Horn playing the uh, steel guitar and the electric guitar. He alternated back and forth between those two, depending on the song. And then we had John Baker on the bass and Brian Stansbury on the drums. And we all four just set up in a half circle and played the tunes and had a blast doing it. And so uh, this week we will finish up the main recording and then it'll just be a matter of mixing it and getting it out to you. So uh, hopefully we'll get that one out in the next month or so. I definitely want to get it out. Would love to have it out before Black Friday. I think we can do that. Um, we'll just have to hammer down and make it happen, but I know we can. Uh, so be sure to be on the lookout for that. Uh, also, want to let you guys know that um, the YouTube channel is picking up a lot of steam. I want to thank everyone out there who's subscribed on YouTube. And if you've not had a chance yet, go on over to YouTube and check out. Now I have YouTube memberships available. There's different tiers uh, with different perks. And so uh, just be sure to go in there and uh, check those out and see what you like. And if you, if you want to join up and get, you know, members-only content and a lot of cool perks, uh, be sure to check those out and see what you, see what you like because uh, I have a lot of fun with uh, different content that way. So uh, you guys be sure to, to check that out. And also, if you go to the YouTube channel now and uh, look for the merch store, I have a new merch store which is launched through uh, Spring or Teespring. Uh, YouTube offers uh, three different merch stores for you to link to your YouTube channel. So that's the only reason why I created a new one. My old one used to be on Threadless, and I still have the one on Threadless. But um, Teespring was compatible with YouTube, and it made it super easy to set up. So um, you guys go check it out and see what you think. We got a lot of cool designs and a lot of cool merchandise. Uh, had a lot of people already bought quite a bit of stuff, so I want to thank everyone who's already hit the merch store, uh, really appreciate it. I didn't expect it to take off this fast, but the YouTube is, and uh, I appreciate you guys so much for subscribing and joining up. And if you haven't already, go over, hit the subscribe button. And if you feel like joining up, hit the join button. We'd love to have you on board. Um, I think that's pretty much it for the updates. I'll be letting you guys know as to the recording of the album and how things go um, as we go along. So just be on the lookout for that. But uh, folks, I am super excited to be bringing you this week's episode because I sat down with my good buddy, Texas Paul, uh, from the Midas Touch Network. You know, so many people, because of my work with Midas Touch, asks me all the time, do you know Texas Paul? Do you like Texas Paul? Do you know who he is? And folks, I got to be dead honest with you. It was Texas Paul that, uh, that uh, helped bring me on board 
with the Midas Touch Network. He's who helped to make that introduction and uh, and get me on board, and I just really appreciate him to no end for that. Uh, I don't think I actually got a chance to say that to him while we were we were on the phone talking, but uh, uh, yeah, I can't thank Texas Paul enough. He and I have had so many great conversations uh, over the years, and uh, we've uh, you know we we had for a while we did the TNT podcast together. And had a blast doing that. So yes, for all of you that ask us whether or not I know Texas Paul, I absolutely do. And uh, we're good buddies. And we sat down and had a great conversation. And I'm not going to sit here and bore you any longer. Uh, I could talk about how great the conversation was all day long. Or I could just go ahead and say, folks, this here's my conversation with Texas Paul. You guys check it out. And when it's over, we'll come back and wrap up the show and talk about it. All right, I'm here with my good buddy, Texas Paul, man. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing wonderful, brother. I'm doing wonderful. How do I sound? How's my, how's, how's my audio? I did. <laughs> yeah, we're good now, I think. I think we're in there. All right, man. All That's right. Good. It's good to talk to you. I ain't talked to you in forever, brother. I know it's been a long time, and I've been wanting to get you on the show for a while because, uh, you know, you and I have uh, definitely, um, we, we well, we've not met in person, but we've known each other a while now, and I was... I was trying to remember back. I'm pretty sure we discovered each other on the TikTok app. Is that right? Yeah, we started way, way, way back in the day doing TikToks, yeah. man. Yeah, and I remember stumbling across your stuff and uh, and really enjoying it. And uh, then I, you know, we reached out and started talking. And I've, I'm just really glad to get you on the show because I can't count the times, especially ever since uh, you know I started working with Midas Touch. I can't count the times that people says to me, "Do you know Texas Paul?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, I do." <laughs> So, uh, so it's just great to have you on, man. Oh man, it's good to be on. It's good to be on. It really is. I, I mean, I've listened to your show several times. I love, I love the work you're doing. Well, I love I really, the work you're doing. I really appreciate that, man. I do. I've uh, been at it for a while now, but I've just kind of really feel like I'm starting to kind of get the ball rolling and, and 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 get used to the ropes of this thing. You know, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, podcasts are a little bit different challenge, but I, I'm enjoying the challenge and finding ways to. To, to make it better and learn the ropes, you know? You know, I, I tell people that all the time. They're like, you know, they, they think this podcasting is like for hobbyists and whatnot. I'm like, okay, you sit down and talk to somebody for an hour yeah. by yourself. Just talk on any subject you want to talk about for an hour straight and oh, get yeah. back to me. Let me know how I go. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. It seems like it would be easy, but I remember, you know, when I started, I didn't have guests at first, and I would – I would just pick a topic and start talking. Well, I would talk for a while, and then I would go, okay, now where am I going to go? <laughs> you know, it, uh, it's not as easy as some people think. But I've always said that, you know, I encourage people to try it because um, I think I think in a lot of ways it can be pretty therapeutic when you just have an outlet to sit and talk about. Because, man, I mean, we live in a crazy world, and there's constantly something happening around us that we can react to and talk about and have discussions about. So, so I think any time that we can, you know, it's a good thing. Yeah, I hear you, brother. I hear you. I, I'm not as kind as you are. I'm like I'm like Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld's real really hard on people that try to be comedians that oh, that aren't there. I'm kind of the same way about about uh, doing a show or podcasting. It's like I love people, and I yeah. want you to come talk to me, and I want yeah. you to tell me, you know, find me on social media, tell me all your thoughts. But yeah. there are way too many jackholes on here that just don't. They don't have a fraction of your talent. They don't know. They don't know the topics they're talking about, and they just babble on and say the dumbest stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it's like I, w- I wish we had a lot 
a lot fewer of those and more people like you, bro. I could definitely see that side of the argument. I had a buddy say that to me, like when I, you know, he was like, you know, it seems like everybody these days has a podcast. Um, but I think, you know, there's, there's definitely the good ones out there. You know, there's the ones you, you have to dig a little bit. Cause like you said, there's, there's so many and it's such a, such a large field now that everybody's prying their hand at it. But, uh, but I think, you know, like I said, as long as we, uh, got good stuff to talk about and, um, you know, we can move the conversations along, you know, I think it helps people to, to connect and, you know, keep, keep having a good conversation. That's the whole reason I started this one is I just wanted to have conversations because, you know, you and I both are are blue dots and in, in red states and we don't, we don't look the part, you know, uh, I remember the first time I stumbled across one of your videos, I'm sure you probably had the same reaction to me. You know, you, you look at us and you go, uh Oh, what's this guy going to say? <laughs> and then we start talking and it's completely no pun intended, but it's out of left field, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm telling you, man, you just, that I agree with you a hundred percent that there just needs to be more people speaking their mind and speaking out. And I know you hear it all the time too, man, you said exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. You said, I've been thinking that I've been saying that to my friends and this, that, and you, and you said exactly what I was thinking. And there are so many of us, Brando, there really are. There are yeah. so many of us out here in these areas, but they don't speak up because you know, th these right wingers for years, and I don't mean to run off on a tangent, but these right wingers for years have just been running their mouths. They're oh, yeah. rude. They don't have any boundaries. They think they can say any damn thing they want to say because we've just been shrugging it off. And, uh, well, he's a, he's a jackass or, yeah. you know, he, he, you know, his mama didn't raise him right and whatnot. So they think they can get away with that. You yeah. know, they, they, they think they can. They can say anything to us. And then here, you know, I remember when I first started on TikTok way back in the day, man. Yeah. I was losing my mind at yeah. the stuff that was being said. And at first I was just commenting. I wasn't making videos. And people just wouldn't speak the way I spoke. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then when I started making videos, I had so many right-wingers that would slip into my comments that are, they just could not believe I was saying the things I was saying. And they would always attack my looks. Yeah. You're, you're faking it. You're not real. The hell yeah. I'm not, man. My neighbors think exactly like I think. Yeah. They look just like me. And no, I'm not going to California. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, and that's something too. People, people do that with me. They, they heard me out playing in bar rooms for years, playing, you know, country music to them and, and, and they just couldn't imagine that I would ever speak the way I speak or have the thoughts I think. But like going back to something you said a minute ago, I think a whole lot more people does think like this. It's just that they're sitting there at Sunday dinner, man, and like they're, they're, everybody else is so much louder than them that they don't want to start an argument with the family. They don't want to distance themselves or alienate themselves from people. And so they just go along with the flow. And I think that's why it's good when people like us talk is because it makes people look around and go, wait a minute, you know, you can be from Texas or you can be from Tennessee and you can have a different point of view. It's okay. Yeah, man, I don't waste my time with it anymore. To be honest with you, yeah. I mean, I'll get, I'll get, I'll get these right wing dumbasses. Can I say that? I'm sorry. Yeah, you can, can I say that? Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm these right wing dumbasses. Yeah. I'll give them one thing: they're passionate. They are. They're passionate. They're ignorant as hell. They're yeah. uninformed. They're stupid. They're running to the basis instincts of humanity. Mm -hmm. 
but they're passionate. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I just don't have the time for it anymore, Brando. I just don't. I don't want to yeah. hear what they have to say. Yeah. You know, I used to entertain family members and I'd entertain, uh, well, you know, I understand what you're saying, but let me yeah. tell you what's really going on. Let me give you some real facts. And facts don't mean shit to them. So why should I sit there and listen to them spew stupidity? Exactly. That That's an argument I've made for a while now. And you've actually been a big influence on that side of me, man, because, you know, I, I love it when you, whenever you're doing videos and you talk about, there's no two sides to this argument. This isn't a, this isn't a both sides argument. This isn't a both sides are just as bad. I mean, I think years ago when, when I was having conversations with people that disagreed with me, I felt like they're, I could hear their side out, but now, you know, they're, they're dead against democracy. They say it to our faces. They tell us that they don't think we should have a right to say anything. And uh, it's like, you can't have a, a, where's the both sides argument in a guy that tried to overturn an election, you know, like where, where's the other side to that? I don't, I don't see that. And I don't understand, you know, where there's the middle ground that people are trying to find. I don't really think it's there. Well, you can't find middle ground when, when you're standing in reality and they aren't, exactly. there's no middle ground between that. I mean, there's just, just a giant pit of, of, of you wanting to rip your hair out listening to, just um, one BS point after another, after, you know, the latest one is, Oh, we're not helping um, Hawaii. You know, we're not helping the people of Maui because we're funding Ukraine. Well, that's a damn lie. Yeah. Where's the middle ground on that conversation? Because the bottom line is we are helping the people of Maui. The problem that we, we have real challenges there, man, you know, yeah. the, the houses are so expensive in Maui. It's so expensive to build in Maui that your average person that lives there probably doesn't live in their own home. Yeah. They're living in their parents' home or their grandma's home or they're renting a place. And how do you help that person? Yeah. You know, because there's no, I can't build you a house. You didn't own a house. Yeah. You know, I can build your grandma a house. You know, well, grandma's dead and we just never transferred the house into anybody's name because, you know, well, how am I supposed to fix that as a government? Yeah, I understand. You know, know, but they are there and they are helping people get back on their feet. They are helping people find loved ones that they lost. They're helping people bury their loved ones. And we're doing that. We're walking and chewing gum at the same time because we're doing that at the same time we're funding Ukraine. Yeah. And, and keeping our children out of a freaking world war. Exactly. And I think, you know, that's one thing that the other side, they're, they're, they've got so good at just, man, just like muddying the water with these arguments that when you say it out loud, you know, if you don't stop and think about it or you don't stop and dig a little bit, you, you could end up falling for it. I saw a hilarious interview. It was a couple of years old, but it was that David Pakman guy, and he was interviewing that dude, Jesse Lee Peterson. And he's just like grilling him like, okay, tell me, you know, tell me what you're saying. Tell me where it comes from. And he just had the guy running in circles because the guy was, had his talking points. You know, he was ready with those. He definitely had his talking points in order. You know, like, I love Trump's policy. And David was like, okay, tell us one. Tell us what you like, you know. And he just kept pressing the guy. And the more he pressed him, the more he just squirmed and couldn't figure out where to go because they're good at having talking points and creating these talking points that just makes our side seem like the worst of human beings. Like, Oh, they're so terrible. They wouldn't even help out, you know, the people in Maui or whatever. And it, it's just, it's a tiresome uh, battle to face every day. Yeah. I mean, and 
what what kills me is how long we just allowed this to because I, I'm the first one that says I don't blame the right wingers because they're idiots. I don't care. Yeah. I don't they're just idiots. Yeah. I blame us. Yeah, and God bless. I love the Obamas. I really do. And Michelle Obama, I was so disappointed she didn't run for office or or, or become a senator or something. I I mean she is really a brilliant woman, but I fundamentally dis- disagree with her on one point. She says when they go low, we yeah. go high. Yeah. No, no, we do not. Because <laughs> yeah. if if you're trying to win an argument, and that's what politics is. We're trying to win an argument, Brando. Yeah. If you if you're sitting here, if I'm sitting here and there's a person sitting across from me, and the guy sitting across from me is accusing me of all this filthy, nasty things, and my response is, but let me tell you about my policies. Yeah. Well, who are people gonna follow? Exactly. You know, I'm gonna look like an utter weakling. You know, you have to call these Republicans out. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Hit him right between the eyes, man. Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent man. When she first said that, like the very first time she said it, I thought, yeah, that's that, that's good. We should take the high road. And then I realized that there is no low that these people won't go to. There's no bottom that they won't scrape, you know. And like you said, you can excuse me, you can have like if you're having an argument with somebody and, and they're just they're just going as low as they can. You can stand there all day long and, and try to, to talk about your policy or whatever, but you know the people's going to follow. I think I think that's what I, I really think that's what got Trump where he is, is that he just capitalized on people's emotions, and he got people so fired up and angry that they was just ready to. And they still they're still ready to burn it down. They've been that's his whole gimmick is just burn the whole thing to the ground, you know. But it was because he was so loud and over the top and obnoxious and such a bully. There's no way that you can. I've kind of always compared it to boxing. There's no way that you can, you know, the only way you can beat a bully is to stand up to one, you know. You can't you can't, you can't try to back off and just hope they'll go away. Yeah. Well, I tell you, Trump doesn't stand a chance this time. When he The first time around, everybody was really sick of these dynasty presidencies. Yeah. They really were. They were tired. Of, you know, we'd had two Bushes, Daddy and, and, and Dumbass. Yeah. And then we had Bill Clinton, and then now we were wanting to elect Hillary Clinton. And there were a lot of people that were really tired of that. I mean, they were just done with it. No more legacy politics. So that opened them up to listening to Donald Trump. And Donald Trump would say the most outlandish, crazy crap. And if you're just some guy that's a plumber or, you know, out there framing houses or driving truck or whatever – Man, you're not sitting there keeping tabs. Like, I mean, tell me, do you not follow what's really going on in the country much closer now that you do what you do than you ever did before? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And these guys would sit there and then listen to Donald Trump, and Donald Trump would say stuff so convincingly confident. Yeah. That people just believed it. And I mean, I was ripping my hair out because I was like, that's bullshit, man. <laughs> what yeah. he just said is 100% unadulterated, grade A, distilled bullshit. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if you're, if you're that guy that hasn't been, that doesn't follow politics, you know, a lot of people don't even know how government functions. 
Exactly. That's not their day to day, man. They're out there busting ass, putting roofs on, you yeah. know, things like that. They don't have time to, to, to filter through this stuff, but at this time around, it's different. It's yeah. different. He's a known quantity, yeah. you know, and, and like the court case today, man, that is going to destroy him in this next election because here he is saying, I'm a billionaire. I'm this, I'm that. Well, all those numbers are coming out in this trial, Brando. Yep. Yeah. You know, he's, I, he's I can claim to be whatever I want. Yeah, I can claim to be whatever I want, but if I've got to go to court, well, I better, I, I better be able to prove it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's uh, it's going to be a different go around this time, and I, I feel like that. I mean, I can't believe honestly, man. The, the thing that I sit and scratch my head at every day is that I can't believe that in twenty twenty three he's still even in the conversation. Like, I I thought on January sixth as I watched that all unfold, I thought this is the end of him. He's done. He, there's there's no chance, and he's still the front runner of their party. <laughs> he's still the guy. Of and I'm like, why won't they cut this guy loose? Like, what is? I mean. Are they that afraid of losing his base? You know, man, it's, there's a, a psychological quirk in humans. And don't take my word for it, folks. Check it out. People, especially men, but people would rather endure, endure great physical pain even up to death than to say the words, I was wrong. Yeah. You know, so they're not going to let go of Trump. They're already believing delusional garbage. You know, wh why would they why would they ever sit back, self-analyze and say, well, you know, yeah, he did lie. You know, yeah. he, he did lie. And I probably shouldn't vote for that guy. That's not inside them, Brando. You've met you've met Maga people before. They're, they're not that deep, brother. They're just not that deep. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, one thing I've, I've heard people talking lately is, I mean, if you and I don't under, I really personally don't understand uh, how these days people could be on the fence or how they could be in the middle or moderate or independent or whatever. But I mean, I can't see that Donald Trump is doing anything at all to appeal to an independent voter. When when he was asked, you know, what he would do to appeal to them, he just started talking about the election being rigged. You know, he had nothing to say. And I'm like, so. You know, the Republicans have to have independence to win this thing or even to come close. And he ain't doing anything at all to try to try to connect with them. He's just saying the same act he's been doing ever since. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to that old LB, LBJ quote. Uh, I'll paraphrase it. That if you if you tell the lowest white man that he's better than the best black man, you don't have to pick his pockets. He'll turn his pockets out for you. Yeah. And that's that's the exact thing that's been going on here. And uh, and I blame us. Like I said, I, 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 I take the blame for this. Yeah. For years, we let them run their mouths and we let them tell the lowest scumbag on earth, you know, these damn, you know, pedophile preachers and abusive cops. And you, I mean, you just name it, man. Go through the whole MAGA delight. And you, you're, you're talking about people that aren't very good people. You know, you got people. I was talking to, to Major Richard Ojeda retired yesterday, man. And he yeah. said, I cannot believe it. I'm from West Virginia. I know people that live in absolute squalor. Mm -hmm. And man, they're voting for Donald Trump. And it just doesn't make any sense. And I, you know, it's the same. It, 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 you tell that man 
that he's better than Barack Obama, mm-hmm. and he will do anything for you. Yeah, he he will. Oh, I and, all the time, man. and that's what these Republicans, you know, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, that, that's what these Republicans, they know they've got that special sauce going on right now. That's why none of them will attack, really go after Donald Trump that have any chance. They're waiting for the, the, the justice system to take down Donald Trump. Then they've never offended the Trump voter base. Yeah. And they just swoop in and say, oh, they got our man. Vote yeah. for me and I'll fight for him, you know? Yeah. You know, and that's, a, that's something I thought a lot about, too. I thought about, you know, you got someone like DeSantis. They're never going to pick DeSantis over Trump. But they still, at the end of the day, believe in everything it is that Trump, that, that, that DeSantis is saying. You know what I mean? There's, that he's still, they would vote for him in a heartbeat. And that, that's why I've told people before, I'm like, I don't think DeSantis has a shot of beating Donald Trump. But he's not a guy I would totally sleep on either because... I could see the right wing totally embrace him if suddenly Donald Trump was taken down, you know, and, and out of the race. Uh, exactly. I think, just, I think they would they would latch on to that. And I mean, good Lord, can you imagine his act on the national stage? Yeah. I mean, that's that's why I just I still nail DeSantis constantly. Yeah. I, I am trying to make him not an option. An unacceptable option is what I'm trying to make him constantly by pointing out not lying about the guy just pointing out every damn thing he does and never letting anybody forget it because you're absolutely right DeSantis is just sitting there waiting for Trump to get taken down yeah and then he'll you know he he could all those voters will go to DeSantis because he's doing the same thing Trump is he's a he I'm gonna hurt Democrats I'm yeah. gonna hurt brown people I'm gonna you know hurt all the people you hate and I'm going to tell you, you're better than all those people. Yeah. So, yeah, they'll absolutely vote for him. Yeah, that's that's the thing, too. I mean, I, you know, they, they use the word woke on a daily basis to try to demonize anything they don't understand. And it's just a constant, like you said, it's a constant uh, battle of, of them just reaching out to. I've always said that, you know, Trump ushered in people into the political arena, like you said earlier, that didn't have an idea how government worked. But. They just, they just, re- they just learned how to react because they just watched a steady diet of reality TV, and um, after after so much of that, just watching that over and over, they thought that you could go to Washington and run, you know, the government like you ran The Apprentice, you know, and um, and, and like you said, that I'm, I'm surrounded by that here in Tennessee. It's everywhere I go. I mean, I, I I could drive you by places here, man, and you would think they've been abandoned for twenty or thirty years, and but they've got a Trump flag flying off the porch, and they're probably on government assistance and they're probably on Facebook somewhere bashing pe- other people that are, <laughs> you know? So it's, uh, it's just, a it's, it's a tough battle in these parts to face, you know? Hey man, if we, we can't sleep on this. That's why I tell my audience on my show all the time, Brando, I do. There's just no option here. You have to vote, not just this election. It's every election for the foreseeable future. There's no option not to vote. You have yeah. to. Because if, if Donald Trump gets his hands on the reins of power, if by some ungodly way he actually were to become president again in this next yeah. election, that would be the last election we all vote in. Oh, yeah. Because, Absolutely. because he will absolutely suspend 
elections in you know for the foreseeable future he will you know he learned his lesson last time around he did he learned his lesson at the when we when he was leaving office he figured it out he tried to put jeffrey clark in there people that will just do his bidding law be damned yeah you know and, and that's what we've heard you know that's why he was attacking mark milley general milley because general milley was telling our friends and our enemies no there's not going to be a coup there, there is not this, this government is not falling the election's over. We're doing our, we, January 6th means nothing. Ignore yeah. it because our, our democracy is strong and Trump hates him for that. Yeah. And, and you know, the one thing you never hear anyone say on the right, they don't say it at all is that, you know, if, if, if like you said, by some crazy chance, Donald Trump did get back in power by law, he's only supposed to serve. He would only be allowed one more term. He wouldn't, you know, all of, all the president's allowed is eight years, but you know good and well that he would not, he wouldn't heed to that. And they've never even made mention of that, you know, because I, I think they, they've made it clear that, that once he, if he ever did seize power again, or they themselves seize power, I really feel like that they're just trying to do away with democracy altogether because now you've got people like Marjorie Taylor Greene calling for secession, you know, saying it out loud. I mean, she started off saying, well, I, we need a national divorce because of ideology differences. And now she's just going all in, saying secede from the union like it's you know eighteen sixty all over again. And um, yeah, it's- yeah, man, I agree with you one hundred percent. I agree with everything you're saying right there. And and these people, these MAGA voters, they've got no dedication. They, you always hear them talk about the Constitution, the Constitution, the Second Amendment, man, the Constitution. Yeah, they don't give a crap about the Constitution. What they want is their way. And if you know, Constitution be damned, democracy oh, yeah. be damned, they will make Trump a dictator in this country and not think twice about it as long as they think they're getting their way. Well, I'm sorry, folks. I hate to tell you this. If you know any of you right wing jackals are listening to this this conversation, I've actually read a history book, and you probably should too, because I will tell you the first thing every fascist does is take your damn guns away. Yeah. To make sure you cannot resist anything he does, period. Yeah. That's right. And they, but they, they've done a, you know, they've always had the, you, you couldn't, you'd have a hard time convincing people in my parts of this because they're convinced that it's us that's coming after their guns. They think, they think people like me and you don't own them. <laughs> you know? um, and that's, that's something that, uh, I mean, what would you say to people, Paul, like, okay, you got, you got people that's still out there for whatever reason on the fence, you know, what would you say to folks like that who have just been sitting back listening to both sides argue, what would you say to them to, to, to bring them over to, because you said earlier, everybody should vote. What would you say to that person who's still out there just kind of on the fence and still can't figure it out? I'd start with, if you vote anything but Democrat, this next election will be the last time you ever vote. Period. If if you help the Republicans win in this next election, this isn't hyperbole. This isn't sales anything. But if you ever love this country and what it stood for and what we were, yeah, voting Republican is ending that yeah. forever. That the, the American experiment will be over. And that's not hyperbole. The man has told you himself 
You know, when someone tells you who they are, believe them. Yeah. You know, and, and I would also tell them, look, who's doing what? Who is doing what? Here comes Paul with all his radical ideas like you ought to have health care and your medicine shouldn't bankrupt you versus, I don't know, hey, here comes Ted Cruz with uh, let's all eat machine gun bacon. You know, I mean, <laughs> really, I mean, what are people doing? You know, yeah. you've got Marjorie Trader Green talking yeah. about, hey, let's go to war with Mexico yeah, and attack the cartels. Well, you know what, Brando, I have something to tell you that most people do not understand and makes their heads explode. The cartels do not, do not import drugs into our country. Mm-hmm. They don't. Mm-hmm. We do. American <laughs> criminal organizations go to Mexico. We know this. It's, it's crime statistics are there, brother. Yeah. You know, the Cato Institute did a great job researching this. 80, or it's like 86% of all drug smugglers caught are Americans. Yeah. They go to Mexico, they buy the drugs in Mexico, and then they import them here. And then you've got Marjorie Trader Green, instead of talking about, hey, maybe we need to end, you know, I don't know, legalize drugs so that, 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 that we could treat this like a health issue instead of a criminal issue or doing anything at all to deal with the drug issues. No, she's, she's 100% saying we need to send our military into Mexico (laughs) because she's a freaking fascist, man. And that's what fascists do. They have to have an enemy. They can't just solve a problem. You know, a problem is just not a bad enough enemy. Drug addiction is just not a bad enough enemy. You've got to have somebody to make people afraid of. And, and yeah. so they, they lie. They say, you know, Ron DeSantis, you're talking about Ron DeSantis the other day, you know, very got, a, got a, an ovation, a standing freaking ovation for saying that if you smuggle fentanyl into our country, we'll kill you. We'll leave you dead on the spot. Yeah. Well, Let's envision that for a second, Brando. Yeah. Uh, unless they've invented X-ray vision, you don't know who's smuggling drugs in. And, and they don't smuggle drugs in through the desert. They don't. They yeah. bring them in in vehicles at the border crossings. Mm-hmm. You know, we know this. It's just fact. We know this. You know, th- those people crossing out in the desert are the poorest of the poor that can't afford the easiest ways across the border. They've got to risk it. And they're not the one, no drug smuggling organization is risking their product on their backs. It's not happening. It's happening at the border. So let's envision this. Guy comes across the border in an eight-ton wheeler, and he's got drugs hidden in the back. So to do it DeSantis's way, you got to find the drugs. Okay? So you find the drugs, and then you shoot them in the head right there on the bridge. (laughs) Yeah. Now is yeah. that is that what we're really wanting to do from now on? Yeah, it is. It, it no, of course not. It's but what's crazy? What's so crazy about it, man? Is that you know, like we was talking about earlier, these, these people, like you said, as long as they've got something to fear and something to be afraid of, they paint it in a way that there's these boogeymen coming across the border, and like they'll know who they are. And you made a great point there, and that's something that you know not enough, enough people are pointing out. You know, you wouldn't know. It's not like it's not like they paint it. It's not like the it's not like they paint it whenever they get up on a microphone and start trying to make everybody afraid. 
But you're you're from Texas. How how far are you from the border? Oh, right now where I live, I'm a, I'm a I'm a good piece away, man. I'm like eight nine hours from the border now. I'm up in the yeah. northeastern uh, corner of Texas now. But I was born and raised in South Texas. So yeah. shoot, I go ahead. I can answer your question. No, I mean I'm just you know I'm here in Tennessee, and so you know what's it what is it really like down there as opposed to what the Marjorie Taylor Green or or DeSantis is going to tell you. Like I mean, you, yeah. It, it's funny you should ask that. It's funny you should ask that because because Mrs. Texas Paul and I were just having this conversation that we need to go down there and do some filming because you know you got the mainstream media, mm-hmm. the corporate media. You know, a, a picture of a nice peaceful border and a sunset. Mm-hmm. Well, that don't sell. People don't watch that. So what do they do? They 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 go to an area where you know a few people are crossing. And then they make it sound like or seem like, oh, man, you know, 50,000 people just walked by us. But, you know, here's 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 15 in the river here. Yeah. You know, I, I want to go down to the border and show people what the border is really like. Yeah. You know, 99.9999% of the border, there are no people. Yeah. No people at all, much less people crossing the desert. There are just no people. You know, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's open desert, man. Yeah. It is. It's open desert. Except for the Border Patrol guy that's got to drive that border. There ain't yeah. nobody there, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I want to shoot films of that and show people. You know, I want to show people this is what it looks like. And, and I'll be the first one to tell you, Brando, I will. If you go to the cities like El Paso and whatnot, I, I've got no problem with a border fence. I don't. They've got a petty crime problem. I mean, I think about crime that you have in any city and then compound it by making it really easy because you've got an international border. If you just get across it, they can't arrest you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the petty crime problems they have in these cities is real. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's real. So they want to build better fences there. Yeah. Building a wall out in the middle of a desert is stupid. If you really, really want a secure border, the Democrats have a bill right now that will they will deploy advanced seismic monitors. We're not talking about the size of seismic monitors they used back in the 70s, 1970s. We're talking about seismic monitors that can tell you what's walking, what kind of animal, because, you know, you're a two-legged animal. Yeah. They know, you know, these things could tell the difference between a cow or a goat or yeah. a human or 10 humans. They can tell you what's walking, where it's walking, how fast it's walking, the direction it's walking, you know, just through using technology yeah. instead of a stupid wall that can't tell you a damn thing. And they can stick a jack in between the, the slats and use, use a 20 ton pneumatic or pardon me uh, hydraulic jack and spread it out and just walk right on through and then yeah. you got to hope somebody's there democrats have bills to fund this stuff they got bills to fund you know beef up our consulates improve consulates and improve the technology in our consulates brando yeah where if somebody wants to come here and work and just wants a work permit okay we'll go to the consulate and apply yeah we need workers here Go to the consulate and apply. We'll do a background check on you in, in your country. You don't have to, to, to risk the trip hoping 
that you can sneak across and never get busted and they get preyed upon by some jackass here. I was talking to a guy, guy came out here and bought a, a swing set from me. You know, my, my granddaughter's getting a little older, came out here and bought a swing set from me. His boss screws him continuously. Yeah. Because he's got no options. You know, I mean, we could fix all of this, man. Yeah. We could, we could fix all of it tomorrow if Republicans would get out of the way, but yeah. they don't want to fix the problem. They want the boogeyman. Exactly. And as long as long as they have the boogeyman, their voters will continue to vote vote for him because that's all they know. Absolutely, absolutely, that's the name of the game, man. Yeah, that's the name of the game. They don't want to. They don't want to. You know, go back to drug policy. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody else is figuring this out, getting way ahead of us. You know, quit criminalizing drugs. You know, I don't. I don't do drugs, Brando. I don't. I yeah. barely drink beer. Yeah. You know, I got a pop pack of beer. I bought like. Two months ago, most of it's still in the refrigerator. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not all pro. Hey, everybody get high. That's not what I'm saying. But damn, I've dealt with somebody in the family that's had addiction before. And I can tell you, this is not a criminal issue. Jail fixes nothing. Exactly You're not right. going to stop an addict from using with jail. Yeah. You're not going to fix them in jail. But, you know, if you treat it like a medical issue and don't ruin a guy's life, or a gal's life, you know, with a criminal record, you might be able to fix that person, man. Yeah. I don't know, but they won't do that because, you know, they need the private prisons. They need the, those, those lobbying checks coming in. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we've got, you know, here in Tennessee, we've, I'm right on the border of Kentucky and Virginia. So I'm right on the tri-state and Southeast Kentucky and East Tennessee's had an opioid opioid epidemic forever you know and it's been something that uh that we've faced for a long time and i've often wondered you know what what those kind of things are like out in texas because i know uh you know here it's it's just uh it's rampant you know it has been for a long time but like you said the republicans don't have no way of fixing the problem they just keep i mean they keep they literally keep distracting people in my part of the world with the border (laughs) closer to where you are you know um so what's those things like down there in texas but like I was saying, I live out in East Texas. I hope that the background noise ain't bothering you. I'm grabbing me another another drink. Oh, you're good. Sorry about that. Don't want to cough. My throat's oh, getting no dry, so I just grab me another drink. Um, I live out in East Texas, man, in the sticks. I do. I'm north north of Tyler, south of Arkansas, and this area is a hot spot for methamphetamine. AIDS, uh, opio, opio, um, opiate addictions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. And yeah, I'm not saying the area that I live in is some sort of hellscape because I hate that they do that. You know, I went, for instance, I went to Dallas th- this weekend and I sat there in, uh, in a neighborhood called Deep Elam. Deep Elam. Yeah. And uh, it's the murder capital of Dallas. Wow. But hell, I was at a nice restaurant, man. Yeah. We walked down the block, sat on the sidewalk and ate beignets, fresh made beignets. You know, I mean, you can call something, you know, you know, horrific crime ridden area, but it's really not. Yeah. It, you know, it's really not. You can go to the south side of Chicago to some nice restaurants, get you some soul food that you would not believe. Oh, yeah. And, and walk right out of there. No problem. Yeah. You know, I, I got an idea. 
don't try to traffic drugs in those areas because you might attract the wrong people's attention and get shot. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But if you're just a person, just, just minding your own business. Anyways, I got sidetracked and saying, but but you know, it's just it's hyperbole is what I you know, the point I'm making there. It's it's just hyperbole. Yeah. They've always gotta have a boogeyman to make it worse than it is. And here in East Texas, you know, this is supposed to be the Bible belt, man. This is supposed to be where all the Christians are and all that good stuff, man. We got we got more damn meth. And the only reason that the statistics don't show the crime is because we got everything here but cops. Yeah. You know, because it's rural. Mm-hmm. You know, how many cops can we afford to keep on the payroll? You know, it's not like you've got a neighborhood in, in Dallas somewhere where you can you can put a dozen cruisers and and, and and 30 cops full time day and night in this one second. We can't do that. You know, we, we've got in, in, in a little town next to me. I think they, they've got maybe four or five cops that work there. Mm-hmm. You know, so the crime statistics aren't there because the cops aren't there, but the drugs are sure as hell here. Yeah. The crime is sure as hell here. Yeah. And that but, sounds, you know, you got to have the boogeyman, you know? Exactly. That, that sounds, man, you could almost, it sounds very similar to exactly what goes on here. And, you know, I've noticed, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, when I hear people talking about the states, you know, they always talk about, you know, it seems like they talk about Florida. Texas and Tennessee always fall in there somewhere in like the top three places. And here we are, these, these blue dots in these places. So, you know, if you was talking to somebody, you know, outside of Texas, you know, that, that looks and sees how politics are in Texas, because I catch myself all the time having to, to defend Tennessee <laughs> and, and defend the good people that's here. So, you know, what's it like out there in Texas in that department, as far as, you know, the, the people that are more, the, the people that do want to fix the problems. You know, uh, I've got to tell you, even in my red district here, uh, we've got a voter turnout problem, but it's probably 60-40, but the elections go 80-20. Yeah. Republican versus Democrat. Yeah. But it's probably it's probably closer to 60-40, and if I had to be honest, it's probably more like, more like 50-35 with some independents in there that we could win over and actually make this a blue district. Yeah. Um, but we've got a voter apathy problem. We've got, you know, these Republicans have been so loud for so long mm-hmm. that people just think that they're inevitable and they aren't. Yeah. Yeah. I think and that's that, one of the things I, I fight to change every day. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, like a lot of times too, you know, like me, I had Gloria Johnson who's running against Marsha Blackburn here in Tennessee. I had her on the podcast and she was talking about how that, you know, she feels like there really is a growing movement here in Tennessee. Of, of a lot of people who are, are fed up with it wanting some change on a lot of issues. But it seems like that a lot of times the mainstream media don't focus on that at all. You know, I mean, there's, there's plenty to, there's plenty, trust me, there's plenty you can say against Tennessee. I'll give you that all day long. I mean, our governor, Bill Lee, I mean, I, I, I can't blame anyone for, for, for going off on the things about him. But the thing is, like, like she was saying, there's a whole lot more people that, that are looking for a change and are tired of things being the way they are. But a lot of times that gets drowned out because the Republicans are so loud. Because like something you said earlier, you know, it sells. You know, they're not going to go over here and show you the, the quiet part of the border because that wouldn't scare nobody. And they're also not going to show you the, the progressives and the people that are kind of rumbling to make that change. They're not going to show you those people either. We've got, you know, people here in Tennessee, Justin Jones, Justin Pearson, and Laura Johnson. They were all dubbed the Tennessee Three. 
and they're really exciting a lot of young people and get people fired up you know and it's, and it's just so such a breath of fresh air to hear but you know outside the videos that i've made for minus touch and that minus touch has made outside of that you don't really hear nothing about it on the mainstream media because they're too busy focused on the on the republican side of that argument yeah. Because of uh, because of money, yep. the corporate media is, is, is the, every four years. Well, actually, every two years, they get about a ten billion dollar infusion into their bank accounts from people buying political ads. Well, if they start reporting things the way they actually are, instead of constantly propping up the Republican Party, they would lose that money. Yeah. Because Democrats wouldn't have to spend it. People wouldn't need to be convinced. You wouldn't need to run the ads. Democrats wouldn't have to spend the money. Republicans wouldn't spend, wouldn't have the money to spend because even though these, this right-wing billionaire frat club loves to back Republicans, the corporate media is just looking at losing billions and billions of dollars if they don't keep it a horse race. Yeah. They, you know, they, they have to keep it a horse race. It cannot be realistic about the way it is. You know, just yesterday, you had uh, Biden had a huge win with keeping the government open, man. He got the, the Republicans got absolutely nothing that they wanted. So what did the, the, the corporate media run with? Jamal Bowman pulled the fire alarm. Yeah. You know, I mean, come yeah. on, man. Yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, that, that says, you know, that the Democrats suck at messaging and that we don't never get our point across and that, you know, we talk about our ideas, but we don't ever talk about how to execute them. And I've always argued that I feel like that it's like you just said, there's a lot of distractions there. Uh, when we do have the opportunity to talk about what we've done and accomplished, it always gets drowned out by just a bunch of bullshit that didn't matter anyway. Well, yeah, man. I mean, you're not going to get it out of the corporate media. That's why I... I tell everybody, I don't care who it is. I don't care if you think it's your best friend on that television. Yeah. Ignore the corporate media because they all, all will prop up the Republicans mm -hmm. to try to keep that ad money coming in. Yeah. It's, it's their lifeblood. They don't, they, you know, these news quote news outlets unquote cannot live without that, that cash infusion every two years. Yeah. They, they just can't, they, they can't keep the doors open. So, yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna pander. If you want real news, you gotta go to places like the Midas Touch Network. Yeah, you know, I mean, those guys bust their ass. They work harder than anybody I know. Yeah. They get out there, they bust their ass. They give people like you, people like me, people that are willing to stick their necks out and 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 say things that you will not hear on the corporate from the corporate media. Yeah, and you know, they they will not tell you things like. You know, we're going to kick their ass next election. Yeah. And it's not even going to be close. Yeah. But you still have to vote because if you do, you personally don't show up and vote, you give them a chance to get back in the office. And I'm not kidding you. This is not hyperbole. If you don't vote in this next election and you let the Republicans win, that's going to be your last chance to vote ever. You're, you're right. You're absolutely right. And, and one thing I love about Midas Touch, I got my mom and dad both like subscribe now and watching them. Uh, because they got so tired of the corporate media, the way that things were presented and told, and what people like my mom and dad loves here, and I, myself too, too, is I love like when Ben's doing his videos and he will break down and he'll say, okay, here's what Joe Biden said this morning, and over here's what Donald Trump said this morning, and he compares the two, and he shows you the difference in how they go about things, 
um, you know, meanwhile, the, the mainstream media, they'll just focus on Trump's new plane or something, or, or they'll, they'll say, oh, he's surging in the polls or whatever. They'll get people excited. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the confusion lies. Like you said, you know, we're going to win this thing, and then they're going to be screaming it's rigged because they've been, stead of, they've been fed the steady diet of Trump's winning, Trump's ahead, Trump's, you know, Trump's going to surge. And then when it doesn't happen, people like us will be over here saying, well, we, we was telling you the entire time, you know. Yeah, you know, it's like today in, in, in the court here. If you go to the corporate media, Trump intimidated, Trump threatened the judge, Trump this, Trump that. You know, actually, you know what happened is the guy looked scared as hell through most of the trial. He yeah. tried to stare down uh, Letitia James, and she just, he's a fool to her. He's nobody to her. This case, and, you know, a lot of people, I'm going to throw a conspiracy theory out there, man. I hope you don't mind. No, go ahead. Because I got nothing to back this up, but I really believe this. I don't think Alina Hava accidentally didn't check the box to get a jury trial. Yeah. I think they wanted Judge Ingeron on purpose. Yeah. You know, because Judge Ingeron, you know, may be a great judge and everything, but he looks like Doc Brown from Back to the Future. <laughs> and I really think that they they wanted – they weighed it. They know this case is a loser. Mm -hmm. Brando, this case is open up the books, show the jury – this is what he valued it at here. This is what he valued his property at there. Uh, he did it here to get his taxes lowered. He did it here to get a loan, to guarantee a loan. That's fraud. Close the book. Case is over. They know they're going to lose this case. Yeah. But if they lose it to a jury, you can't attack the jury. Yeah. But if you lose it to Judge Ingeron, who looks a little weird, yeah. Hell yeah, he'll attack the judge. Yeah. And he'll try to use that in his appeal. Yeah. And he thinks he's going to get away with it. That's, that's my conspiracy theory. I've got nothing to back it up yeah. other than it fits Trump's strategy. Yeah. Uh, prior strategies of always trying to attack people and try to try – to, it's just not going to work in this trial. Now, on appeal, yeah. they can be hoping to throw the dice and get, get a judge like uh, Eileen Cannon. Yeah. That's willing to just, you know, destroy the law for, for Donald Trump. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that, that's what I think is going on. And, and, and man, I, I don't know. Have you been following the trial? Somewhat. Yeah, I have. I've, been, I've not watched. I don't yeah. have cable news, so I've not been able to sit and watch every single thing, but I've kept up you know, the best I can. Well, the big thing is that, that his, his accountant from Mazers, you know, Mazers is a big accounting firm that does, you know, corporate taxes and whatnot. Um, just is just destroying him. Yeah. Just absolutely destroying him. And and just him, his sons, uh, Alan, Weiss, uh, Alan Weisselberg, the entire Trump organization. They, I mean, they're just like, we, we had to quit because we found out they were, they were, giving us such screwed up valuations, we had to quit. Yeah. You know, I mean, when your accountant is telling the judge who's got to judge you as your judge and jury that uh, you screwed up, you were so shady that your, your accounting firm that helps people cheat on their taxes couldn't do business with you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You lost that case. <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely. And it's crazy, you know, like you said, like you said earlier in the show, you know, he painted this picture for so long that he was this big successful businessman. And then, and, and everything he ever said, you know, he, he constantly talked about how that, you know, only the mob pleads the fist and, you know, and all these things. And he went about it that way and ran on the whole platform of lock her up. And now here he sits just being exposed um, right in front of everyone's faces, you know. You know, what What else is he going to do? You know, it's it's all he's ever had. And it just doesn't work in, in court. Yeah. Because that judge doesn't give a damn how Donald Trump feels about it. Yeah. That judge doesn't care at all that, that Donald Trump thinks that, oh, well, he should be disbarred. Yeah. He should be. And, and Trump is such a coward. Oh, yeah. He is such a coward. Because he says, people are saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well. No, you're saying, but you're too chicken shit to actually say it because you know you'll be held responsible for the next thing that leaves your mouth. Yeah. So you qualify it as people are saying yeah. so that you're not legally culpable for the next words that come out of your mouth. He's such a freaking coward. Just say it. If you believe it, say it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not, not to shift gears here, but there's something that I've, that I've kind of followed for a while. I've just noticed and I want to get your opinion on it. What do you think of these guys like, for instance, Bill Maher, who, who has always been a liberal and that's how he appeared, but yet it feels like lately a lot of these guys are jumping on the train of bashing woke and uh, they just jumped, jumped on the train of cashing in and now it just feels like they're on the complete opposite side of the fence of us. There's a lot of people that I used to listen to that's almost unrecognizable to me now because they're, uh, it seems like they've jumped on that bandwagon of, Let's de- let's demonize woke. Yeah, Bill Maher just the other day went on a screed about Biden needs to step aside and he doesn't want to be Ruth Bader Biden and all that. I mean, you know, I'm sitting there listening to this and I'm thinking you're 67 years old, man. Yeah. And you're and you're saying this because you needed to be off the air five years ago. <laughs> you stopped being funny five years ago. Yeah. And you're telling somebody else who's actually getting the job done. That they need to be off the air? Yeah. You know, they need to they need to not run for office? Yeah. I'm sorry, but Biden's busting ass. And as long as he continues to bust that, I don't give a damn how old the guy is. Yeah. But to be quite honest with you, I don't. Now, do I want young blood on our part? Hell yeah. I love that Jasmine Crockett's here. I love, you know, that that we've got all the you know, Daniel Goldman and all these younger folks that are just making their way up. But you know, Bill Maher. Mm-hmm. That that COVID broke that guy. Yeah. I mean, COVID really broke that guy. He was on a downward slide before COVID, yeah. but man, COVID really messed his head up. He said he's like Dennis Miller and Tim Allen had a baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, you're, you know, I I have just stopped stopped. I, I just I stopped watching the guy a couple years ago. Actually, I just yeah, I, I can't. I, 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 catch, I catch myself, you know, I'll, I'll see stuff scroll, roll across my news feed and it's stuff that he said. And I don't know if you saw, but, you know, Ron DeSantis went on real time with him. And he actually says to Ron DeSantis, he praises how Ron DeSantis handled COVID. And I'm just, yeah, I'm I just, just sitting there watching it and I'm going, Are, were you in the same country as the rest of us? Did you, like, take a vacation? Did you leave? Did you fall asleep? Like, that, that's just totally, I'm sitting there listening to that and going, 
that can't be the same guy that 20 years ago was taking on these religious people and making these documentaries about it. And, you know, I, I loved hearing what he had to say. And now it's like, you know, and like you said, he talked well, about Bill Maher's a bully. Oh, yeah. Bill Maher is a bully at heart. And he loves he loves another bully. He you know he's always talked about Trump, like there's some sort of magic mysticism to him, and and it, there just isn't. No, you know the, the, there's lowest common denominator bullshit. Yeah, you know, and and I just think I think Mar sees a lot of himself in Ron DeSantis, and Ron DeSantis is willingness, you know, well not willingness. The man just has no borders. Yeah. He's got no guardrails. There's no decency in him. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I just think, I think Bill Maher's a lost cause. Yeah. He's, he's going to be a long, slow death. And HBO is going to really have to think about their relationship with him. But yeah. And there's, you know, there's, there's you people know. I've seen like that, you know, that they jumped on this bandwagon, man, of, like I said, of, of, of bashing uh, woke and just, and, and going down that rabbit hole. Cause I feel like that's, that's they, they know there's a giant audience for it. You got people like Joe Rogan who they're they're kind of they're kind of all pretty much have the same exact message, it's just slightly altered a different way. But it basically at the end of the day, it's always their conversation always goes to, you know, someone on their side was silenced or canceled or censored or or whatever. And they always make it out like that it's us coming after them and their rights. And meanwhile, they're the very ones that tried to overturn an election they didn't win. You know. Um, I didn't know this. And story. more than that. Yeah, and I didn't know this you know, recently, but uh, John Snyder that played Bo Duke on the Dukes of Hazard, he's like this really far right winger. I didn't know this about him until just not too long ago. But um, he's on there, you know, on his YouTube channel calling Biden a traitor and saying that Biden's never protected or defended the Constitution. And I'm like, dude, you know, you're you're in the same breath, you're backing a dude that decided to ride on our nation's capital. So it just feels like that every accusation coming from them is an admission to who they really are. Exactly. Exact. Spot on. 100%. It, it absolutely is. You know, you've, you've got, you know, guys like Joe Rogan and, and, and yes, I, John Snyder, I've, he's been running his mouth for about mm, 20 years now. Yeah. And he is, you know, he's always been right of center. And every time he came up against politics, there was never a bad idea. He didn't love, but he just, <clears throat> Those guys love to take any subject that's that's naturally complex, like transgender people. Yeah. And they love to boil it down to the simplest, stupidest, crudest, basest instinct that are in, in people. Yeah. And then tell them they're right. Yeah. That's a great point. And and it's never that easy, man. It's no. never that easy. Transgender people are, you know, they're I could talk on an hour just on that alone because it's a complex subject. Yeah. It really is a complex subject. It's yeah. not something that you can wrap up in a soundbite. No. The best I can do is tell you that transgender people are what they are in their minds. And, and you know, Brando, if somebody pulled an Elena Bo uh, um, uh, uh, a Bobbit on you and whacked your Peter off, yeah. dude, you wouldn't quit thinking you're a man. <laughs> yeah. You know, you would just because the penis is gone yeah. doesn't mean that you don't still see yourself as a man. Yeah. You don't you're not still attracted to the same things that you were before, because all of that exists in your mind. Yeah. Your brain is who you are, not your penis and nuts. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, and, and, and these guys always, always want to boil it down to, you know, talking about somebody, Johnson. Yeah, and, you know, and, oh, and, and she's got like, a she's got a penis in her pants. Yeah, no, I, yeah, but that is not what makes her a man. Yeah, <laughs> you got a penis too, and you're not a man. <laughs> yeah, and what's so crazy, man, is I've actually heard them go so far as to make comments like that these that they're going through these life altering, life changing operations just to play sports, like just for an advantage in a football or or, or advantage in an MMA cage fight or something. I'm like, you got to be. I mean, you have to be a special breed of stupid to believe that somebody actually went through all that because they couldn't succeed at sports. So they said, "Well, if I if I you know if I, if I transformed over into a woman, I could I could make it." That's that's ridiculous. But that's but that's yeah. kind of that's the kind of subjects they'll take it to. They they do a really good job. Like well, you said, it's, it's a it's a very you know, it's a it's a deep subject and it's something we could talk about for an hour. But they love to take things like that, and they love to. Turn it in, like you said, to the quickest soundbite that can get a knee-jerk reaction out of someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. You, they just want to appeal to the worst in people. They simply, they want to simplify it down to a talking point and appeal to the worst in people and then tell them that they're great for being the worst version of themselves that they can be. Yeah. And they lie all the time. It's like now, you know, they, they said that, uh, that oh, transgender woman won the, the London Marathon. Yeah. Well, no, no, that transgender woman won her, her class. Her, you know, they, they, they don't just like turn everybody, they run them in separate classes. And what her little lot, she was the first one to finish in her little lot. Yeah. She wasn't the fastest woman, the fastest man, the fastest human in any way, shape, or form. She won nothing in that marathon. Yeah. But her little class. Yeah. And they wanted to, you know, when they all they could do for days is oh, a transgender woman won the marathon. Look at that's what Democrats want, ladies. Yeah. That's what they want. This person had transgender surgery just so she could win this marathon. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, man, no. Yeah. First of all, can you imagine being transgender and wanting to be in a freaking locker room if you're in college or, or high school? Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Who the hell wants to be in a locker room if you're transgender? Nobody. Exactly. That's you know, but they, they just run their mouths, dude. That's a great point. <laughs> that's a great point man and like you said they if, but if they can you know whittle it down and fit it on a bumper sticker and turn it into some kind of slogan or turn it into some kind of ridiculous song or whatever they can do to to appeal to their base that's what they'll do and that's that's what we're up against and we're headed into an election year and i think people like me and you just needs to keep doubling down i you know i i hate when i hear like other democrats say things and you hear them in the mainstream media you don't hear you know they definitely don't say these, these kind of things on Midas Touch, but you hear people like in the mainstream media, they try to come off like, well, if you Democrats wouldn't keep going after them so hard, you know, you're, you're, you're just being too hard on them. And, you, you know, and I'm like, no, we got to double down even harder. I can't, I don't understand the logic of we got to ease up on these people and they'll just quietly go away. <laughs> well, that's just a fallacy. Anyways, look at Bud Light. Yeah. Look, look at Bud Light. Bud Light wanted to sell beer to the LGBTQ plus community because, you know, realistically, they're 
15, 20% of our society and they drink beer. Yeah. They didn't market that beer to you. They didn't, you never saw that ad campaign until a right winger showed it to you. Exactly. Because Bud did not put that in your face, Brando, because it does them no good. How does, how does Dylan Mulvaney sell you beer? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Bud never showed any one of those right wingers. Yeah. It's just a right winger found out about it. And that right winger showed it to all his buddies. And I keep telling them, I will give you $10,000 if you will go get me a, uh, an authentic Bud Light can with Dylan Mulvaney's face on it. Yeah. <laughs> go get me that can and bring it to me, and I'll give you $10,000. Yeah. But you can't find it because they printed one. Yeah. And they gave it to Dylan Mulvaney. Yeah. You know, but they want to act like, well, you just keep putting this in my face. Well, no, nobody put it in your face. <laughs> yeah. No, your buddies put it in your face. Yeah. The people that wanted you to be outraged, your right wing politicians, they put this in your face. I didn't put it in your face. No Democrat put it in your face. Exactly. <laughs> and Bud Light sure as hell didn't put it in your face. Yeah. They just wanted to sell beer to somebody, and you, who always cry about capitalism, yeah. are trying to tell Bud Light they can't sell some people that want to buy some beer, beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is one of those moments, man, where I wish we were on a screen because you just had me smiling from ear to ear. I was really, I was over here just <laughs> like enjoying that. That was great. Um, but it's just, because it's just so true, you know, it, it really is. And I, you know, I've been around, you know, people who, otherwise are good hearted people and hard working people for that matter. And they'll get so caught up in those things, you know, so caught up and man, they're shoving it in my face. And I can't count the times I've said to myself, no, we didn't, we didn't say it. It wasn't us. We, we, we aren't the ones that did this, you know? I mean, yep. I, I, you know, I live here in East Tennessee and, you know, about an hour and a half South of me is, you know, Dollywood, you know, and, uh, you know, Dolly Parton a couple of years ago changed the name of the Dixie Stampede because the reason she did that is because she was taking it out into the world. She was taking it in other places in the country and other parts of the world. And she realized that, you know, the format she had was, I mean, it was outdated. It was based on the Civil War. If you went to the Dixie Stampede, the North sat on one side, the South sat on one side. You know, you had the blue and the gray. And then over the years, she would try to change it up and she would try to do like Christmas colors to have the red and the green. You know, she would try to find ways to steer away from that. Well, when she finally decided, okay, I'm going to take this out, you know, somewhere other than East Tennessee, she made the decision to change the name to just the Stampede, to Dolly Stampede. You know, that's just, that's what she did. And I can't count mm -hmm. the people in this part of the world. It was like, man, them liberals, them damn liberals, man, they made Dolly Parton change the name of the Dixie Stampede. Their liberals are coming after our heritage and our tradition. And I'm like, dude, we did, I never, I never remember a conversation with my liberal buddies here. And I, you know, my, me and my band, we're all progressives. We all vote Democrat, and we, we'll, we'll get done practicing. And when practice is over, we'll stand around, and talk politics, talk what's going on in the world. And I don't ever remember hearing any of them say, "Man, I tell you what, the number one thing we got to do is get Dolly to change the name of that stampede." I mean, like we were never talking about it. It was something we never brought up. And she did that for her reasons, for business reasons, and then it got blown into this big deal around here that us liberals just, you know, came after her and made her do that and twisted her arm behind her back. And that wasn't the case at all. And we didn't shove it in no one's face either, you know, but there's. Hey, man, you want to hear an interesting factoid about the civil war? Go ahead. 
In Sync, you know the boy band In Sync. Yeah, yeah, they were around longer than the Confederates. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so I mean, like you know what? 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 You talk about your heritage, guys? Were you gonna run out and get you some In Sync posters and and you know get you some of those gym workout clothes and a windbreaker and a gold chain <laughs> and and you know I mean. You know, NSYNC was around longer than the damn Confederacy was. I mean, Jesus, what, 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 tell me about your heritage, you know? <laughs> yeah, I've got T-shirts and bandanas older than the Confederacy <laughs> that, have, that have lasted longer, you know? Uh, yeah, I, I, I've got, I've got concert shirts yeah. that are literally, what, five times older, six times older than the Confederacy ever was? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give me a break, man. You know what that's about, dude. It's oh, just yeah. taking people that ain't never mediocre white dudes that ain't never done anything special in their lives and telling them that they're better than all black people. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's all it is, man. It that's really, all it is. It really is. And, you know, I, I, I see it all the time. I mean, I, I was driving down the road on 9 11, and I, I forgot about it being 9 11 for a minute here. I'm driving through East Tennessee and all of a sudden, I look at I look coming at me, man, and there's this truck with these flags. That's there. These flags are bigger than any comforter that I got on my beds. I mean, they're like they're like the biggest flags I've ever seen, and they got like a big American flag, and then they got a big Confederate flag, and then right in the middle, they got one that says, "We the people are pissed." <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, no, you're very confused at this point. Yeah, like you're, yeah. you're extremely confused about what you stand for. And I saw several people now with this flag. I saw one guy had two on the same truck. We the people are pissed. And I'm like, I think you're just confused. <laughs> you're just badly, yeah. badly confused True. and you never read Amen. a history book. Amen. And, and, you know, I tell you, you just try to talk to these people and ask them what they want. You don't get but about three, four sentences in before the blatant racism comes out. Yeah. You know, it's never about a, a real policy. It's never about anything. You know, I was born. You were too, man. We we're both born in the South. We were both raised to believe that the Confederacy was about uh, states' rights and economic freedom, and nobody ever finished those sentences up. Yeah, states' rights to do what? Exactly. The econo the economy of the South was based on what? Yeah. You know, people, you know, I live in Texas, man. The Alamo's hollow ground. I mean, I'm not kidding, man. It's, they, to, to Texans, the Alamo is just pure, sanctified, hollow ground. And when I try telling people, the good guys at the Alamo were the ones on the outside, not the ones on the inside. That, what are you saying, man? That's our history. That's our heritage. I'm like, well, yeah, that's true. But the guys on the inside were fighting to keep slavery in the Brazos River Valley. And if you don't know what the Brazos River runs from about, you know, the panhandle in Texas mm -hmm. down to Houston. Yeah. Down to Houston. If you if, if you just painted a swath of green across the state, yeah. that's the Brazos River Valley. And they, they were moving, they were planting cotton plants. And you go to you go to uh, Taylor, Texas, just outside of, of Round Rock in Austin, mm -hmm. and you will see cotton fields for as far as the eye can see, man, because they're still growing cotton down there. They're just picking it with, with, 
with machinery instead of people. Yeah. And that's what the people in the Alamo were fighting for. Yeah. The Mexicans said, no more slavery. We told you no slaves. You're bringing in these, these plantations. Damn it, we're not doing that. And yeah. here comes Santa Ana riding north to enforce that stuff. And and, and, and they're like, well, they, they held out. They sacrificed their lives for to, to, to give uh, 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 Sam Houston time to get his, his army together. No, they didn't. They lasted four days, man. Yeah. <laughs> you, you think that made a difference? Four yeah. days? Come yeah. on, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild, man. You know, it's just a myth. It really is. And it's stuff we're taught growing up. And like you said, they never finished the sentences. They never they never told us the whole story until some of us got up and started reading and understanding and learning things and, and just stepping outside of our comfort zone and I've always said just facing up to truths that weren't always comfortable. You know, there was things one day we had to realize, hey, you know, we've been told this our whole lives. Doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Or we got told something that was taken badly out of context, you know. And uh, it's, uh, it's it's just funny to me when I, I'll see these people, they'll go off on these rants about my heritage, my heritage. And I'll say, well, you know, um, they're trying to take down these statues. You know, they're, they're trying to get rid of these statues, these people. And I'm like, and they'll say, in the same breath, they'll say, the Democrats started the, they're the party of slavery. They're the party of the KKK. And I'm like, okay, well, that statue is of a Democratic slave owner. So why do you want that statue still up? <laughs> like, I mean, if, you, if you're if you going to lay everything at the Democrats' door and say that everything was our fault, why do you want to glorify them? And then they're completely stumped. They don't want to say to that other than, you know, like you said, they'll try to say something like, well, they... They still fought for what they believed or whatever. They, they'll, they'll try any way they can to twist it around to, to make it make sense for them. But, uh, mm-hmm. but I've just. Whenever they go to tell me, whenever they go to tell me about it, it was the Democrats that owned slaves and it was the Democrats that founded the KKK. I just asked you, okay, where'd them Democrats go in the 60s and 70s? Yeah. Yeah. Where'd they go? Oh, you, you mean they moved to the Republican Party? Yeah. And engaged in the Southern strategy? Yeah. Yeah. You know, shut the hell up and go read a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I remember, man, you know, it's funny. I remember back when I was younger, you know, I would, I would hear people talking about things and I read different books and, and, and different things. And I, and I read some books from, you know, later on, I learned from people that were pretty much, you know, Southern apologists from people that were trying to, you know, rewrite the history and reshape the narrative into, well, that ain't what it was all about. We weren't that kind of people. History's written by the winner and they just made us look bad, you know? And, uh, you know, I would read stuff like that. And then the more I dug, the more I would start debunking that kind of stuff. And I would go, wait a minute, you know, this, what you're saying here doesn't add up and it doesn't make sense. And, um, I don't think that, you know, I'm sure, you know, people will look at people like me and you, well, you, you're, you was born here. It's where you was from. And you, you know, you, you got this accent. How can you think that way? And I'm like, well, because, you know, we just, we just, began to realize, you know, not everything we ever got told growing up was necessarily true, but people are, they're just programmed. You know, about here in Tennessee, we had the whole drag queen uh, debate, you know, and, and it was like the drag queens are grooming our children. And I'm like, well, first of all, if you, if you take your kids to a drag show, if, if you do, you did that on your own. And, and what Republican conservatives doing that? Nobody, again, nobody's forcing them to go. Nobody's shoving it down their throat or cramming it in their face, none of that stuff. You know, and I'm like, every day you're groomed, you know, in churches and every day you're groomed by your family to believe this shit that wasn't true. You know, I mean, if you want to talk about grooming, 
You know, we yep. all were to a degree. We all were. We were all we were all brought up and taught certain things, and and we had to learn to to come out from under it and do better. You know. Yep. It's going on in church every Sunday, all around here, brother. All around here, yeah. every Sunday they're grooming. Yeah. And it makes them you know, and, when you say that, you know, when you point that out, but uh, but it's. Uh, it's just true. I mean, and some of them will actually admit it. You know, some of them will say, well, we're trying to groom our children to be this way. And, and then, you know, half the time, you know, uh, I know it will be a controversial thing to say, but half the time they raise the very person that goes out here and commits violence on other people. You know, they, they raise them every, every time that something happens and you go look at the profile of the person that done it, it's always some disgruntled white dude that believes in a bunch of bullshit he got stirred up over, you know? Yep. Yep. I, I, and I tell you, man, you know, the bad part about it is what you're talking about is it's still going on today. Yeah. And I remember coming back from Gettysburg. We just took a trip to Gettysburg a uh, year before last. Um, and um, Eisenhower's home. Eisenhower loved Gettysburg also. He, he, he built his home on the border of Gettysburg, right on the edge of, right on the edge of the Gettysburg battlefields is where Eisenhower, President Eisenhower's home is. So we went up there and I'm a history nut. And I just was shocked at how many legitimate historians, modern historians today will tell you General Lee was an incredible general. Mm -hmm. No, he wasn't. He was a horrible general. Yeah. He was a horrible general. You know, he, he first he first made his bones in the Mexican-American War, and he did that by driving his troops through a field of cactus. Yeah. The, 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 the Mexican army didn't guard their left flank because their left flank was a field of, of cactus. And I don't know if you've ever seen, like, prickly pear cactus, you know, cactus, cactus, yeah. how tight that stuff grows and how freaking hard it is to get through that. Yep. Well, the Mexicans had a reason to believe that nobody was going to come from their left because who would sacrifice their troops in a field of cactus? Well, I tell you who would, Robert E. Lee, because he didn't <laughs> ever give a damn. He never gave a damn about his troops, how many of them died. Yep. Uh, the, his only real successes in battle were when he was in Virginia on the defensive and the Northern Army was having to advance through forests. Yep. So his troops could just lie in wait undercover and the northern troops who were trying to push south had to expose themselves to move south yeah you know i mean that's not a hard battle to win yeah you know when it, you just got to tell you when they show up shoot it you know i mean, it, I mean <laughs> yeah. that's down in depth and complex every time like gettysburg yeah mead whipped his ass yeah just Handed it to him. Meade's line was in the shape of a fish hook on top. He had the high ground. was in the shape of a fish hook. Mm -hmm. The longest point from one point to the two farthest points on Meade's line were 600 yards. Yep. That's how far he had to move men and material in a fight. Yeah. Lee's lines were six miles long. Yeah. Because he was fighting from the low ground outside Gettysburg, literally six miles long. Longstreet took one look at this battle and said, let's go home. Yeah. We, we don't want to have this withdrawal. We'll fight again another day. And they, they, they trash Longstreet. 
in, in all the history books. And he was right. What yeah. he said was going to happen is exactly what happened. And you, to this day, you'll hear people say, oh, Lee was just a brilliant general. No, he wasn't. Yeah. He was a moron. Yeah. He just didn't give a shit about his people. He would just throw waves of men, you yeah. know, and at, 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 at the Northern Army. And, and the Northern Army was like, um, do we care if we die? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. These people are insane. Maybe we should withdraw. You know, I mean, it, it wasn't a brilliant strategy at all. It was just, and, and John Bell Hood, the guy that named Ford Hood was named for, same thing. Yeah. You know, they just keep throwing waves and wave, waves after wave of people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's why, you know, the, the Confederate army was so much smaller, but had so many casualties. Yeah. You know, and nobody will say that even today. No, you're right. General Lee was an idiot. Just say it. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm really glad you brought that point up because, you know, if you'd have been saying that to a teenage me, I would have been very uncomfortable. I'd have been squirming in my seat because, you know, when I was growing up, that's the one thing that, you know, we were, even in high school, they would teach us. Well, now, you know, Lee was a genius. Lee was brilliant. You know, and he's like, uh, especially this part of the world, man, it's like he's a saint. Even though, like, you know, I remember I used to go in this little store and they would have, like, they would have these pictures of him and Grant, like, side by side. They would have, like, a, like, Grant wrapped in an American flag and him wrapped in a Confederate flag and they would have them there side by side like they were these two icons, you know, and like that, you know, and just reached this level of sainthood in this part of the world where that even the even the ones that would say, yeah, you know, we we were on the wrong side of history and we shouldn't have been fighting that war. They always painted this picture that Robert Lee was a saint that was like that was so torn and so divided that he had to go against his own, you know, he, had to, he, he didn't want to fight against his own people is the only reason he did what he did and all this stuff. And then years later, when you, like you said, when you start really reading about him and knowing what he was, you find out all that stuff you heard. He was a brutal slave master. Yeah. yeah. He would brine his, you know what brining is? Right. After they'd whip a slave, they'd have open wounds, right? Yeah. So they would take salt, pour yeah. it in water, in a really high concentration solution, mm -hmm. then they would take a rag and just wash the, that, that whip slave with it. It's called brining. Yeah. Because it would cause them to scar up and it would, it would reduce infection. And, you know, slaves were expensive. You didn't want to lose one just because you beat them half to death, right? Yeah. You know, and, and he took great pleasure in, in, in doing that. Yeah. He did. You know, he would let, he would have somebody just whip a slave and then he himself would go out and brine that slave. Yeah. You know how excruciatingly painful that had to be? God. Yeah. It's, you know? That's unimaginable, man. It really is. And he wasn't a good guy. He wasn't a great general. But, man, you can't get people to quit saying that shit. The Alamo. Yeah, I'm glad Texas is here. I'm glad it's in America. Mm -hmm. And I can say that while acknowledging the fact that Jim Bowie, one of the guys that was – fighting to make that happen was a sorry bastard. Yeah. You know, his daddy, you know, owned a plantation in Louisiana. Yeah. He was a spoiled little rich kid, him and his brother. They scammed people up in Oklahoma uh, on land grants. They, they sold fake land grants to people and then took off with the money. Yeah. He would get slaves from uh, um, uh, Lafitte. Uh, pirate Lafitte, his headquarters is down here in Galveston, Texas. He would buy slaves from him 
and there was a law on the books that if you turned in somebody that was, you know, when they outlawed slavery, the federal government outlawed slavery, if you turn someone in, they would take the slaves and give you a reward equal to like 25% of the value of the slaves. Yeah. He would, he would buy slaves cheap from Lafitte, take it, turn himself in because there was no penalty as part of the bargain when they came up with this law. You know, they were kept appeasing these freaking slave owners. So he would turn himself in, turn his slaves over to the government, and the government would in turn auction these slaves. They didn't send them, free them, send them back to Africa. They were in this freaking slave trade. They would auction slaves. And because he was, you know, such a murdering bastard, nobody would bid against him. So he would buy his own slaves back that he just turned in for pennies on the dollar. So the federal government would pay him to import slaves. And then he would buy them back. And then he would have legit slaves that were sold by the government that he could turn around and sell for huge money up in the Brazos River Valley, back in Louisiana. Yeah. I mean, he was a sorry bastard, man. He really was. Yeah. Jim Bowie was not a good guy. Yeah. But I'm glad I'm an American. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I think, it, I think acknowledging those things doesn't, you know, it, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. But uh, but I consider it progress that we can do that and that we can, you know, come to grips with, with, the, with what it really was. You know, we all do better when we all do better. And sometimes to get to the point where we all do better, Brando, we have to just acknowledge, you know, shit we did wrong. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine trying to fix a marriage without ever admitting that you did something wrong? Exactly. You know, exactly. you're never going to move forward. No, you're not. Well, I'll tell you what, Paul, it's been a really good time sitting here talking with you. But before we go, I just want to, uh, I want you to let my listeners know where and all they can find you out there on social media. I know you got your uh, Coffee with Texas Paul. Let us know when that airs and when we can look for you, man. Yeah, man, Coffee with Texas Paul. I'm, I'm, I'm on Sundays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 10 a.m., uh, you can you can go to my uh, website realtexaspaul.com and there's a link to it. It'll take you right to the show. Oh, awesome! That's really good. And we always look forward to to what you do on Midas Touch or videos there. And are you still are you still on TikTok? Uh, you know, man, I just haven't been doing a whole lot lately. I had a few health problems there for a little bit. Yeah, kind of slowed me down. Yeah. And uh, but I'm getting back at it, man. I'm slowly but surely getting back at it. Yeah, I've not been doing as much TikTok, and the one the one place I've kind of I've kind of I mean I share my stuff to Twitter, but I've not really put anything original on Twitter in a long time just because of the way things are there. Um, yeah, I call it X Chan. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, man, I, I I definitely want my listeners to to go follow you, and uh, I'll tag your links in the in this podcast so everyone can find you. And man, I just really appreciate you taking time out of your day to sit and talk with me. And uh, yeah, it's it's always a pleasure. So whenever you want to come back, just holler, and we'll have you on again. Always good to talk to you, Brando. Always. Awesome, man. Well, you, you take care, and uh, we'll talk soon, okay? All right, brother. All right, thank you. Well, folks, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did because it is always a great time anytime that I'm doing something with my good buddy, Texas Paul. Uh, I knew when he came on that he would uh, challenge me. I knew it would make me think. I knew he would make so many great points. 
And uh, I can't thank him enough for being on the show. So Texas Paul, if you're listening, love you, brother. Thank you so much for being on the show, and you're welcome back here anytime. You know, I think what makes Texas Paul such a hit and why so many people love him on Midas Touch and why so many people love him on Coffee with Texas Paul or wherever he's at on social media, they just love the no-bullshit approach that he brings to the table. They love the no-nonsense, no-bullshit. He's ride-or-die Democrat. He's unapologetic. And I feel like that's what we have to be these days. Like I've said before, I just don't think that in today's political climate that I can be an independent. I don't think that I can be in the middle. I don't think I can sit on the fence. I feel like that uh, there's a lot more reasonable people on our side. I feel like there's uh, people that are going to uh, bring good ideas to the table. And we may not always get it right, but we'll take it on the chin. When we get it wrong, we'll keep moving forward. And uh, that's what we need more of. Uh, We need more Texas Pauls in this world who's like unapologetically like, yeah, because for so long, like we've talked about, you know, the other side had the microphone and they got really loud and they got really obnoxious. And, um, you know, you can't necessarily, you can't always take the high road. Sometimes you got to get in the mud and fight with the bully, you know. Uh, I've always used boxing analogies, but I've I've used this analogy many times. Don't care to say it again because it's worth repeating, but... um, Everybody thought that the way to beat Mike Tyson was to run from him. Everybody thought that if you could stay away from his uh, from his punching power, that he would tire himself out and you could beat him in the later rounds. And uh, Buster Douglas proved that theory wrong. Buster Douglas realized that if you stayed up right on top of him, the closer you stayed to him, the right on top of him you stayed, well, you know, you... Um, you smothered his power. You took his power away. You didn't give him room to lunge. You didn't give him room to, to, to plant his feet and really get that power off. And so you just had to stand there and, and smother him. And you had to, you know, not be afraid to get hit. And uh, he laid the blue, blue, blueprint for how to beat Mike Tyson. You know, after that, Evander Holofield said he watched, um, he watched the Douglas-Tyson uh, fight. To, real, to figure out how to beat Mike Tyson. And if you watch Evander Holofield, he stayed right in his face and never gave him room to breathe. And, um, you know, that's what you got to do here. You just got to be unapologetic. You got to be ride or die. And you got to be willing to get hit. And I think that's why so many of us love loves Texas Paul, because he's willing to do all those things. And he's a great voice for our side. And he's a great voice for democracy. And he's a great voice for truth. And I consider him a friend. So, Texas Paul, I love you, and you're always welcome back here on If These Hills Could Talk anytime you want to come. Uh, Folks, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll definitely have Texas Paul back because I think that's going to be a hit, and I think it's going to be a request. So, uh, we'll definitely, I'll go ahead for those of you that says, when's he coming back? He he will be eventually. I'm sure he'll come back again, and we'll pick up where we left off. That's what good friends do. We pick up where we leave off and have great conversations. But uh, like I said earlier at the start of the episode, just be sure to go check out the YouTube channel. Check out the memberships. See what you like. Um, You know, I'm mainly putting most of my content on YouTube these days. Still making videos with the Midas Touch Network uh, and putting stuff out on, you know, Facebook and and some on TikTok. I've kind of dropped Twitter. I just share stuff to Twitter, but I just don't feel like giving Elon Musk any original content because fuck that guy. But anyway, until next time, I'm uh, Tennessee Brando. You've been listening to If These Hills Could Talk, and I will see you guys next week.